You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode 230 of the Grave Plot Podcast. Podcast. Pausecast. Pausecast. Wait. Pause it right now. And go. <laughs> I am. Wait. S- and go. Skeletoni. <laughs> I'm Taylor of Terror. Get ready for three hours of this. <laughs> Buckle up. Um, <clears throat> I think our mics are a bit too loud now. Hot mics. Hot. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're back. Hey. After, what, almost a month off? Yeah. Well, that's only one episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you guys probably thought that we were going to be on time because we were, like, building up a hot streak. But guess what? Well, two's a streak, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ask how, they ask how many. That's right. And in our case, nobody asks anything. No. Which nobody. is why we don't, We if you don't care, we don't care. We, you know, we do this podcast every two weeks, and we don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. And now the comedian, Mike Berbiglia. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I mean, you know, in our, in our old age, our, our advanced age, we've just lost all sense of urgency. Yeah, we're in our fuck it era. Yep. So, you know, you get what you get. That's why. And you're grateful. That's why you turn on notifications, so you know when we put out a new episode. Yeah. And then you don't have to worry about it. You don't be like, oh, is it the right Wednesday? I don't know. Maybe they're a day late. Maybe they're a week late. Maybe they're two weeks late. Maybe they're gone forever. Nobody really knows. (laughs) They are legend. Nobody knows what happened to them. It's true. Some say they went to space. Some say they're still out there podcasting somewhere. (laughs) Uh, okay. All right. I don't know where we left off. My son was making noise. Yeah, we had to pause. <laughs> we had to pause the pause cast. Uh, anyway, uh, how long has it been since I've seen you, Taylor? Uh, not even 24 hours. <laughs> uh, last night we had the, the event of the year. The one that everybody in the Pacific Northwest region talks about for months. They await with bated breath every year. Uh, that, that is, of course, the Grave Plot Film Fest. Uh, it took place last night. We showed 19 films from across the universe. Across the universe. Yeah. Uh, but specifically more in just the Earth region. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, some good stuff this year. Uh, we got a total of 99 submissions, which seems low to me, but every time we told somebody, they're like, wow. Yeah, I know. 
But I guess that's just because I have, you know, I'm, I have PTSD from that one year we got, what, like 130, 140? I think that first year we might have gotten over 200. Did we get that many? We might have. Okay. Um, that was... That's because we didn't charge a fee and people were just like, oh, yeah, here. Fuck it. Check out this video I made just now. Right. <laughs> Check out this thing that has nothing to do with horror. I'm glad we got rid of those. Those were trying because... Every a... once in a while, someone will trickle in. But yeah, for yeah. the most part, like... One year, guys, I'm, I shit you not, we got someone's animation test. Right. Like, they, they did an animation test for a class, and they submitted it to a festival. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we had some uh, some high-quality stuff this year. Quite. Uh, and we were proud to show the ones we did. To a sold-out house. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we sold out. Wasn't a full house because people didn't show up, but we got their money, and that's what's important. That's right. That's what the history books are going to remember. <laughs> they don't ask how, they ask, ask how, how many. many. <laughs> or in this case, how much. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. I'm just going to pull up the winners. I got them up here. You got them memorized? I, I think so. Okay, well, uh, first, you know, we always started off with the, the, the Minos Award, which is uh, the jury, or the selection committee's favorite, like overall favorite. And that went to uh, Greed and Gore out of Canada, mm-hmm. which was, I think, a, a, a lot of people's favorite. It was, um, I mean, like, the audience voting was very widespread. There was, like, a lot of stuff got... A, a, you know, a couple votes here and there, but there was three big ones, and that that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, we had uh, for best director for Maria uh, Lucia Bayardo um, or Bayardo. Uh, it was a um, a claymation or mm-hmm. a, uh, short stop, stop motion. Yeah, stop, stop motion. That's that's the term I was trying to think of. Uh, the Old Hag and the Crow from from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, very Tim Burton-esque in its styling. Very much. Uh, yeah, one of our judges yeah, was... Uh, he's he's a, a big ter- uh, Tim Burton fan, so he, he took special interest in that one, I think. Uh, and then we had a, a double winner. Um, <laughs> okay, I got to interject here. Uh, there is a 30 for 30 on this organization called FIST. It was a um, government operation in the Washington, D.C. area where they would call up uh, convicts who, like, you know, had violated their parole or for otherwise were being sought after and told them they won season tickets to the then Redskins. Oh. And so these guys would come to this, I think it was just in, like, a hotel lobby or something, and they had these girls dressed in cheerleaders. They were all agents and they would give them a hug. And if they felt a weapon, they would give them a balloon and tell them they were a double winner. <laughs> so when you said double winner, it just made me start laughing to myself. Because <laughs> I just picture Paul Diggler and his giant sideburns holding a balloon. <laughs> but yes, uh, the winner, of course, um, for most original concept and and best film uh went to Paul Diggler's Syncopat 
Um, Which a lot of people were talking about after the event. Yeah, because I've, and I and that was like, the other one that, that that almost won the audience favorite. Yeah, um, that is, <clears throat> it's uh, it's horrifying on a very subtle level. It's because um, you have to really think about how how awful it would be. Somebody, I think, I think it might have been David who works at Art Lodge was telling my girlfriend that it was very Black Mirror esque, mm, and I yeah. definitely definitely agree with that for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just the basic run. Well, I don't know I, how many people are actually going to see it. You know, I don't know. So I mean, ba- the basic premise is that there, there's this woman. She's like the head of this. Um, think of somebody like developing the new gadget at Apple. Um, you know, but in this case, it is a audio transmitter that actually it's put into your brain and it's connected to a little wristband or like a little bracelet that you're, you, that's where all the controls are. Well, <laughs> the, this like lead developer or, you know, the, the face of this project, she, ahead of public release, had it implanted in herself. Um, and, it she was listening to music in in the bathtub and suddenly the music starts skipping and it's just stuck she can't get it to, to, uh, to turn off she can't just skip the song she can't get it to turn down it's just this blaring music uh just this like half a second clip of this music just playing over and over and over and it's actually broken down into the the five stages of grief or six in this case yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um was it five yeah it's like, is it five or seven? But okay. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of showing her descent into madness. <laughs> and like I said, you know, like like that's something you really have to think about for it to really just terrify you. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, when you're watching it, it's not gory. It's not bloody. It's not, you know, no one's getting stalked by a, a killer through the woods or anything. But right. yeah, when you just like, and you know, to, to Paul's credit, he does a really good job of kind of putting you in that headspace. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my God, I need this to stop. Yeah. And like the, the music that's playing for 99% of the entire short film is all you can hear. And it's so loud. Yeah. To just, yeah, to really put you like in this, in the driver's seat of this, of this woman and you're, and you're you know, going crazy. Anyway. So yeah, that was, um, I think a favorite of ours, um, not like it didn't get overall because you know obviously we weren't the only ones judging but um I th- yeah i think that was a favorite of both of ours um and yeah really glad that it won not one but two awards because paul uh the director has entered th- to our festival three times mm-hmm. and they're all really good films uh just haven't ever won an award but so this year he not only won, but he won twice. So yeah, when when we notified him that he won, he emails back and said, "We hope both the audience and the jury will suffer a lot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then of course the audience favorite uh, went to something that I honestly did not expect, just based on the reactions uh, that w- the audience was giving. I mean, I could, it was close. I mean, you you saw that it was close. But, yeah. Um. But uh, I thought it, Greed and Gore, the one that was the, the Minus Award, I thought that was going to get it. Me too. But the, the winner was uh, Paranormal Junctivity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
which is a comedy horror, horror comedy does really well in our festival. It does, yeah, because people need that levity, especially because we so show so much dark sh- shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, but so does gore. Yes, I remember bath bomb one. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that was fucking gruesome. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, like in a, in a nutshell, uh, paranormal activity. <laughs> This guy, he has recently bought a house, and he starts waking up to his living room looking like it's there's been a party inside, and, and he call, he ends up calling some paranormal investigators, and we come to find out that his house was the previous location of the uh, Alpha Sigma Sigma um, fraternity, um, and uh, they are now all dead. From alcohol poisoning, from butt chugging, from butt chugging, <laughs> and so they are. The house is being haunted by these these ghosts of the uh, the frat boys, the frat boys. So that that was that was a good one. That was that was a favorite of mine. I when remember. I saw the title, I was like, "There's no way this is going to be good." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So you know, we had uh, four hours of, of fun. Um, Everybody seemed to have a good time, as always. Mm-hmm. We had a couple. We had a few uh, the filmmakers in in the audience. Lisa Ovies dragged her ass across the border. Yeah, to just just haunt our doorway, fuck everything up, or shadow. What? What's, shadow our doorway? What? Is this a phrase? I don't, yes, I don't think I know is. this I, phrase. <laughs> I feel like you probably would if I was saying it right. But maybe I, just to cast a shadow. Maybe, like, yeah, cast a shadow on our doorstep or something along those lines. There's something about a door. <laughs> My girlfriend did say she was like, I was glad to see in person that she gives it back. Right. I was really worried that you guys were just bullying this poor <laughs> filmmaker. Because she doesn't do it online. We just give her endless amounts of shit online. I hate when she posts, like, something serious. And I really want to just reply and be like, shut up. <laughs> but then I know I'm going to get all these people being like, what a dick. Like... <laughs> And people that just don't get it. Yeah. It's like, nobody cares, Lisa. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, anyway, so yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Everything went off without a hitch, which was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Like I was just telling my dad, I mean, my dad texted me. He's like, so how'd it go? I'm like, yeah, really well, actually. It's like. I think it's the smoothest show we've put on, and we were just kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but everything went really well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like the thing that I always worry about, just because I'm I'm like this, is us getting out of, out on time and without being like penalized for being there too late or something. Yeah. But the place cleared out almost immediately, mm-hmm. which was nice and disappointing at the <laughs> same time. But. Um, there were a couple people that got a picture with the step and repeat afterwards, though. So. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a couple raffles from our from our sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, that was nice, a nice little touch. And of course, we gave away our pogs. Yeah, which <laughs> seemed to be met with mixed reactions. Yeah, a lot of people thought the idea was novel and cute, but then didn't really want them. <laughs> right. Well, maybe we can give them away next year. <laughs> we still have a bunch. I'd say we probably have over half. Oh, yeah. Which is whatever. <laughs> Last year at Crypticon, you know, I sat on this um, uh, film festival panel 
Um, and I th- thought afterwards, it's like, oh man, I should have brought all brought like a bunch of our leftover swag to give away. Yeah, because it's just taking up space. We did give away a bunch of podcast magnets and buttons that we've had for years. Yeah, um, I think we got rid of like almost all of our buttons. Wow. Yeah. So if you're a new listener, welcome. Yeah. This this is it. It doesn't get better. No. <laughs> if anything, it gets worse as we get more and more off track. I will say, though, people seem to enjoy our banter. Like, we actually had good crowd reactions when we were up there doing our thing. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we both danced. Right. At one point. Taylor was trying to find the, uh, you're looking for like the, the awards or the award, uh, award winners or something? Yeah. Like, Tony Vamp. Uh, <laughs> and he just started doing a little jig. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time, but you know, it's, it is a lot of work to put that on. Um, but we really do appreciate everyone that came out or every filmmaker that submitted. We appreciate our judges our sponsors, of course, Arc Lodge Cinemas. And, uh, you know, every year we're kind of like, this is so much. It's like, do we really keep doing this? Yeah. Every- and then that one night, that one magical night, and we're just like, fucking can't wait to do it again. Right. Um, yeah, like, you know, August, whatever, the day that we start accepting submissions, it's like, well, here we here go we again. Go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so what else is new, Taylor? You just, you just got back from a trip. I did. I just got back from Disney World. How was that? It was great. Exhausting from the sound of it. It was. Yeah. I checked in, uh, the first day I was there, I took like 28,000 steps. That's too, that's too many steps. That's so many. And I didn't realize, like my girlfriend told me, Disney World, the parks are more spread out. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of expecting that, but I didn't realize that meant a half hour bus ride. Fuck's sake. They are very spread out. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, Disneyland, you've got all the different worlds. And then you've got California Adventure, which is Mm -hmm. a completely separate park. You know, much smaller in comparison, but a a separate park. But it is a stone's throw away from... Yeah, you just walk across downtown Disney. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's it's funny to think back to, like, when I would go to Disneyland as a kid, because where California Adventure is now was the parking lot. Yeah. And what is now the parking lot will probably soon be a third gate. It's kind of looking that way. Yeah. Yeah. There are three different transportation methods between parks, depending on which park you're going to and from. There's a bus, a monorail, and the Skyliner, which is the most terrifying thing I've ever been in in my life. (laughs) Especially when it stops. What is it? It's like a ball that hangs off a wire and just goes across the Oh, so it's like it's like the a more modern version of the boxes that used to be at Disneyland. Maybe I never rode those, so I don't know. No, yeah, but yeah, it's like a little pod, and it if you look up, it's just like a cable and a wheel, and you're like, well, that's not that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Putting a lot of uh, a lot of hope into the probably what is one of the most ancient. Uh, Inventions in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but you had fun. I did. 
I don't think I'll go back anytime soon, mm-hmm. but maybe eventually. I will say that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is the best ride I've ever been on in my life. I've, I've never even heard of it. It is amazing. Tron is meh. Okay. <laughs> the whole appeal of Tron is that you're like in like a motorcycle, like you're like basically riding a light cycle. Sure. But it's very uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> the, my instinct the whole time was to sit up, but there's mm. like a thing on your back holding you in. Oh. And so you can't sit up. So you get claustrophobic. So you're leaning forward with your head up. Oh, yeah. That's not good. Yeah, it's not comfortable. Like I, I wouldn't do that because I mean I have I have neck problems so I like I I would see people sitting that way and be like nah yeah <laughs> um but you said you your your girlfriend was a convert yeah at one point she was just like I think uh, I think I'm starting to think that Disneyland is better <laughs> I'm just like all right good because I don't want to have to come back here <laughs> never again Florida. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Florida is definitely one of those places that I have zero desire to ever go to. Yeah, Disney World is like the only reason I would go there. Yeah. Or I guess maybe Universal, but well, Universal is building Epic Universe, which is going to have an entire uh, Universal Monsters area. Not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing something in Vegas, too. That's We could probably go just go do that. That'd be true. fine. Yeah, Horror Unleashed in <laughs> Vegas. I'd rather go to Vegas than Florida. Oh, absolutely. Uh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Anything else? Uh, nope, not really. Neat. Well, while you were in Florida, I did nothing. All right. Party time. My mom was in town for the week. That was nice. She, she mainly wanted to come see my son because she never sees him, but it was nice to have her here. That's good. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it on my end. <laughs> Not all of us take trips to Florida, Taylor. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've been doing this for long enough. So why don't we go ahead and get started with the real show? Um, and, uh, we do that by starting with thanking our grave diggers over on Patreon. Uh, these wonderful people help support the show financially. Um, not, not just like, uh, you know, like go get them guys, but actually give us money. Cause that's what counts. It's true. They actually don't even do the go get them guys. They actually just give us money, but again, they don't ask how, right? <laughs> they ask how many dollars you have. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine because we like the money. I like money. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's not an expensive show that we, that we run here, but it does cost money. We have to pay for websites and MP3 hosting and And film fests and film fests and all that good stuff uh, to keep you bringing, to keep bringing you this primo content. Uh, And that's what we'll go with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, These lovely, lovely folks are, of course, Bob Voorhees, Kevin Nesgoda, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Gory B Movie. And the slew of nameless ghouls who are just above, just below that rung of being mentioned by name, because you got to have tears. It's true. It's how you says, you know, you sort the riffraff. <laughs> how you separate the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> but no, we love all of our uh, contributors, and um, 
You're great. Thanks. Uh, Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1, you can join us every episode live for Horror Business, including right now. We are live on our Discord channel. $5, get your name in the show like those beautiful people that Tony just mentioned. You also get discounts on Great Plot Podcast merchandise. Tickets to the Great Plot Film Fest, uh, discounted, not free. You don't just we don't just give them to you. Yeah, but we do give you a discount, and uh, that's pretty sweet. And every once in a while, you know, we'll do like Christmas cards or some other random treat, specifically for our grave diggers. So go check it out. Join us today. Yeah, yeah. All right. Without any further ado, let's do some more business. All right, starting out in some real world horror, we're gonna we're gonna take a trip that we've taken many times before. So in, I, in, we're not really taking a trip because I think we're just staying <laughs> where we were last episode for real world horror, right? Because this is does appear to be a, a repeat offender uh, in the country of Argentina. Yep, yep, that's how they say it there. Is it? Yep. <laughs> With no accent whatsoever, they just changed the G to an H. Yep. Ask him. Argentina. <laughs> yeah, because they said it with a with a Texan drawl too, <laughs> with a twang. Um. So yeah, last time in Argentina, we talked about people seeing maybe little, little green little ghouls. Ghoul. <laughs> we speculated it may have been an elf. Yeah. Or just a wee person, or just or a, a dog. Yeah, it, it honestly could have been anything because you couldn't really see much of, of anything. Yeah, it was basically just a shadow running across the yard. But guys, let me tell you what: the city of Bariloche, maybe that seems right. Um, they've got a goblin problem. <laughs> Apparently, Argentina just has a goblin problem. It's apparently, yeah. It's which like, goblin problem is a great name for a band. That is a good name. <laughs> or just a Necrogoblicon album. <laughs> um. Da, 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 da. Uh, so Vicky Nauta, probably. Yeah, Nauta. No, no, yeah. Either, either one could be Nauta. Could be Nauta, like Flauta. Like Flauta. <laughs> uh, she uh, posted on TikTok an experience that she had. Um, according to her, she was strolling down the street while watching videos on her phone. As, probably whistling. Yeah. <laughs> Flipping a coin. Because <laughs> it's a it's an old Mary Melodies cartoon. Um. Uh, she's watching videos on her phone, you know, as the, as the kids do. As those Zoomers do. They can't fucking put down the TikTok or the Instagram. It's all they do anymore. Yep. Um, uh, when she suddenly noticed someone behind her. Okay. It happens every day. Yeah. Right? But this time... Some creep trying to get them digits or something? <laughs> this time, the mysterious individual was 
a rather diminutive and was rather diminutive and sported white hair and a beard to match. So naturally, goblin. Not just a little person. Yeah. Not just an old little person. Yeah, with a with a beard. Um I mean it was maybe he was wearing a pointed hat or something. So why not elf? I still would have thought elf. But... <laughs> or yeah, like troll or something. Maybe. Um uh certain that what she saw was, she was certain that what she certain. saw was, was a goblin or a duende as it is known as in Latin America. We have we covered that last episode. That's true. We did. <coughs> uh old Vicky insisted that she was telling the truth about her sighting and mused that she had previously not believed in such entities, but now she is certain that they are real. Did she talk to him? Did he say, I'm a goblin? (laughs) (laughs) She's probably, he was probably like, oh, permiso, senora. And she was like, oh my God. Goblin. It's a goblin. (laughs) Duende. She was not scared of the small stranger. Because why why would you be? Why would you be scared of a goblin? (laughs) Um... Instead, simply told herself that he was being playful by appearing before her. Apparently, in Argentina, little people cannot just exist. (laughs) They have to be goblins. (laughs) And God forbid you have white hair and a beard, because then you're something of legend. That's right. Like, people draw pictures of you. And you walk next to them, they're like, oh, look at this silly little goblin. Yeah. Aren't you cute? Isn't he playful? Some viewers dismissed Nauta's account as merely a tall tale on her part, while others responded that they had also seen such entities in the area. Goblin problem. I mean, they probably saw the same guy. (laughs) That's also possible. Because he is in the area. He probably makes regular appearances in public. Because, let me tell you, little people don't just stay out of the public eye. They don't just live in caves or (laughs) hobbles. They don't live in, in the side of a hill. Right. Or in a They're little... They're not hobbitses. <laughs> or in a little little hole in, in your fucking baseboard. <laughs> or a tree. <laughs> they don't make cookies. <laughs> Unless they do. Because it's a perfectly reputable job. Yeah. For any size person. You could be a baker. You could be a little a person. Small, a little person. You can be both those things at once. It doesn't make you a goblin <laughs> or an elf and or any other fictional f- fantastical creature. <laughs> and yeah, little people of the world, let me tell you, it is okay for you to grow facial hair. <laughs> I will defend that right to my death. <laughs> is that offensive? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's more offensive of her to see a little person with a beard and go, ah, goblin, right? (laughs) Also, when I picture a goblin in my mind, I don't picture facial hair. No, I picture just like a couple like little scraggly, you know, shaggy do kind of things. Yeah. Coming out his chin. I I I think of John Necker Goblin. Yeah. Or Cheddar Goblin. Or Cheddar Goblin. That's what a goblin looks like. Like pointy ears that are usually like too long and they hang down. Right. 
Yeah. Or like Green Goblin, even though he's not a real goblin. Sure. That's, the, you know, the general look. Yeah, I feel like there's a, like, cliche version of Goblin, and they don't have facial hair. All right. Maybe that's just like a, a Goblin conspiracy. They're trying to throw us off. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe little people have been Goblins the entire time. <laughs> There is a, I'm, I'm Googling famous goblins. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. There is Warwick Davis in the Harry Potter movies. Is he a goblin? He is a goblin. Okay. The goblins run the banks. There is speculation that they represent Jewish people. Jo- knowing J.K. Rowling, that wouldn't shock me in the least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's also just a picture of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> rude <laughs> yeah like all the goblins they're like green they got the droopy ears there's cheddar goblin yeah, no he... i'm not seeing facial hair on any of them no oh. maybe they, they're probably incapable of growing facial hair oh here's one. Oh, how how tall is a goblin he's got a beard mm, yes he's got like the amish beard with no uh no mustache yep well Maybe maybe duendes are different. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, we looked at these before. They looked like the uh, the Norwegian troll. Right. <laughs> well, guys, you know, let me tell you, if you ever planned a trip to Bariloche, maybe, maybe. Last episode was somewhere different, though. It's still Argentina. It was still Argentina, but it was a different town. Right. Yeah, it's apparently just Argentina's got a goblin problem. It's a hotbed for goblins. It's where it's where goblins come from. Is it? It's their home country. <laughs> I don't think that's right, but I'm not gonna fact check. <laughs> I don't know enough about that to tell if you're telling the truth. <laughs> but yeah. if you go to Argentina, watch out for goblins. There's a new movie coming out called Stiletto, and it features a handful of uh, fairly well-known genre actors, but it also features current all-elite wrestling superstar and Tacoma, Washington native Swerve Strickland. Are you familiar with Swerve Strickland's work? I'm not. On the Indies, he was known as Shane Swerve Strickland. He dropped the Shane when he went pro. Mm. He was also Isaiah Scott in WWE. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, they got to own your name and everything. Right. Do you see, uh, so The Rock, he's like on the board at, at TKO now. Mm-hmm. And he now he owns, he owns the name The Rock now. Oh, does he? Yeah. That's Which, good. Which he always should have. Yeah. Because it's from his dad. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, he allegedly uh, forced his way into the main event of WrestleMania, too. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's in the main event, but it's it was allegedly his suggestion. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah, Swerve Strickland, like I said, from Tacoma. 
uh, as you know, we're from the Seattle area. So he's a, he's a hometown boy for us. Uh, Stiletto is described as a throwback to the early slashers of the 1980s. Uh, it also stars Gigi Gustin from Night of the Missing, Charlotte McKinney from Fantasy Island. I assume that's the movie, not the TV show. Yeah, who does? Uh, Colleen be... Camp from Amsterdam and American Hustle. And Clue. <laughs> and Clue. <laughs> Poncho Moeller from Three from Hell, speaking of little people. Uh, Tyler Abron, or Abron from Fear. Oh, that's that's Marky Mark. <laughs> Stephen Blakehart from Guardians of the Galaxy. Megan Carrasquillo from Four. Russell Todd from Friday the 13th Part 2. And Mia Chalice from FBI International. Just ran the gamut, huh? Yeah, really. It's a little bit of everything. It's like a buffet table. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> a year after the grisly murder of a local exotic dancer, the victim's sister, Lyric, played by Gigi Gustin, Searches for the serial killer responsible as he stalks and kills his favorite dancers on the night of the anniversary. This is uh, directed by Samuel Gonzalez Jr., who directed The Retaliators. Oh, bother. Oh, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> uh, Stiletto follows in the bloody footsteps of those films we love so much, but also pushes it to the cinematic limit with memorable kills and a diverse cast of both up-and-comers and legends alike, said Gonzalez. Legends? It's... That's a bit of a stretch of the definition, I'd say. Yeah, who among that list of people I named is a legend? Mm. Like, just being in a movie doesn't make you a yeah. legend. Yeah, because, I mean, Colin Camp, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just being in a, in, a, in a popular movie or TV show does not make you, personally, a legend. Right, just because you were in a legendary movie... Like, I mean, you know, Russell Todd in Friday the 13th Part 2. Like, I couldn't tell you who he played. Yeah. And if you can't tell me who he played, then... I mean, I could look it up and be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, sure. But then is he really a legend if you have to look it up? Right. Uh, as I, kn- I have no idea who Swerve is playing, but this is not his first acting gig because you can currently see him in Night of the Missing, which is streaming on Screambox. And then, of course, you can catch him every Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. And he is great, by the way. I'm a, I'm a little biased, but he is just one of their top guys. And, you know, what's the world without another wrestler turned actor? That's right. He's got this manager named Prince Nana. Okay. And he comes out and he, like, dances to Swerve's music. Like, this is his dance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Neat. Yeah. Go watch Dynamite. Watch Swerve. He's battling with uh, Hangman Adam Page right now. Indeed. Mm, yes. <laughs> Taking your right for it. He worked one whack show. Oh, yeah? Yep. But he was he, he was big shit at Defy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back when his theme music was uh, Ain't Nobody by Shaka Khan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one of our favorite games of 2015, 
I don't know that I've played it. You haven't? I don't think so. Didn't we sit here play some? Oh, that was um, the quarry. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Made by the same people. Right. Okay. Well, one of my favorite games of 2015 <laughs> uh, was Until Dawn. It was a, um, uh, you know, kind of a choose your own adventure type game. Uh, very not, oh, revolutionary is a bit of a stretch, but very uh, interesting in concept. Um, you know, you, each decision you make affects the way the rest of the game plays out, which uh, is it you know puts a lot of stock in the game itself, and you know has adds a lot of re- replay value. So similar to um, the quarry, quarry yeah. is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, real fun game. It had some, uh, some familiar faces in it. Uh, it had like Rami Malek, um, had uh, Hayden Panettiere, um, and, uh, shit, some other people that I'm just totally blanking on. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. And, you know, it was, uh, it had a very weird twist ending that I didn't see coming at all. Larry Fessenden. That's right. Peter Stormare. Yep. Yep. And others. And others. <laughs> I thought it's, there were some more, like some more of the kids were people that I mean, you might recognize. Noah Fleiss, Brett Dalton, Ella Lentini, Jordan Fisher. I don't know these names. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Either way. Um, so yeah, I mean, to play the game, you think, oh, well, this is ripe for a film. Uh, and you know, eight years later they said, yeah, maybe. And so now they're doing it. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Quarry's got a great cast too. It's got a Skylar, uh, you know, Lasando lasagna. Yeah. Skylar lasagna. (laughs) I think it's lasagna. I mean, no, it's Gizondo. Gizondo? It might be Gizondo, which would be unfortunate for him. Oh, that guy. Young, okay. Yeah, young Sean Spencer. Right. Also uh, from uh, um, Wet Hot American Summer, one of those. And uh, um, The Righteous Gemstones. Have you watched that? No. Is it good? It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I can't convince my girlfriend to watch it. But Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. She's just like, it's not really something I'm interested in. Watch it without her. Fuck it. I am. Yeah. I, I might have to. Yeah, it also had um, Brenda Song. You know what? I think that's who I was thinking of as being in Until Dawn, but maybe I was just mixing up the games again. <laughs> oh, David Arquette. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ted Raimi. <laughs> Ethan Supley. Lance Henriksen. Lance. Anyway, so yeah, um, they're working on... Um, a Until Dawn video, uh, film. Uh, the script is written by Blair Butler, who wrote The Invitation. Uh, or sorry, he wrote the... Or they, I don't actually don't know if it's a male or female, uh, wrote the original draft of the screenplay. And Gary Doberman, who wrote It and the upcoming Salem's Lot, uh, is now working on the rewrites. Now, you might be saying, well, that's great. This all sounds good, but let me tell you what, now we have David F. Sandberg directing. You may recognize his name from such films as Lights Out, 
And Annabelle Creation? Nope. He did, however, direct the Shazam movies. I liked the first one. The second one, you know, a little less. So Blair Blair Butler uh, wrote Hellfest. Oh, okay. Which I thought Seth Sherwood wrote. Mm, I don't think so. Writers, Seth M. Sherwood, Blair Butler, and Akilah Cooper. Oh, okay. Well, maybe Seth wrote the original or maybe wrote rewrites. Yeah, I don't know. That's likely the, the scenario. Likely. Yeah. Um, the, the tagline for the adaptation is kept deep inside. Oh, uh, wait. The logline for the feature adaptation is kept deep inside the caves, but Screen Gems is describing it as an R-rated love letter to the horror genre. I hate when something is called a love letter. Why? Because it's usually not. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's a, a term that a lot of like either studios or hack directors use. A lot of times it just feels like an excuse to be derivative. Yes. That too. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, it's centering on an ensemble cast. I presume probably not the same cast since most of the familiar faces have gone on to bigger and better things. You know, Rami Malek being, was he nominated for an Oscar? I think so. Yeah. So he might not do a video game. For Bohemian movie. Rhapsody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Until Dawn centers around a group of eight teenagers who decide to vacation for a night in a cabin on the fictional Blackwood Mountain. How do you camp on a fictional mountain? <laughs> well, your fictional characters for, to start with. <laughs> they just, they're just actually in their backyard. They're like, look at me. I'm on a mountain. <laughs> uh, exactly one year after the disappearance of two girls, the twin sisters of a member and a, twin sisters of a member of their group. So were they triplets? No, there was Two twin sisters, and then I think like oh yeah, I their guess older brother. You, you can be you can be siblings and not, <laughs> Gen- not be twins. generally yes. Usually, when twins have siblings, they don't all just come out all at once. <laughs> like, well, this is all the children you're going to have, so let's just get it over with. <laughs> Uh, shortly after arriving, the gang find themselves under attack by a psychopath and must attempt to survive until sunrise. And there's a big thing that they're leaving out in there. <laughs> but that's like the twist that I did not see coming. Well, then that's, they don't want to give that away. Yeah. I need to get back to the quarry. I know this story is not about the quarry, but uh, it's the only thing I played. So <laughs> it's your point of reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I want to play the quarry. Um, but I just like, it's like, eh, do I really want to spend money on it? It's I got like, it when it was like on super sale or something. I think I paid like maybe $10 if right. that, like, yeah, and I have a hard time buying digital. I also games. think I was drinking. Oh, well, that'll do it. <laughs> fuck it. I was like, fuck it. $10. Yeah. Fuck. It. I'll take eight. <laughs> yeah. I, I also don't like buying digital games. I prefer physical media. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I think 
Speaking of digital games, like, uh, what was it? Somebody from, somebody from Ubisoft, I think. Some, like, some director from, from I believe it was Ubisoft, saying, you know, people are just going to need to get rid, you know, get used to the fact that when they buy a game, it doesn't mean that they own it. No. It's like, well, fuck you very I much. I don't have to get used to that. It's like, I'll just stop buying the fucking game. Yeah. But, I mean, he's speaking about, I think, digital media. Sure. But still, like, I mean, you know, Google Stadia, when it went under, they refunded all the games. Mm. As Yeah, as you should. Yeah. I mean, um, you shouldn't. But I mean, it's like the same as, like, you know, if you buy a movie rather than rent a movie off Amazon or Google or something, you, there's no guarantee that you will always have that. Right. Especially, you know, with, with, you know, streaming services having rotating libraries, if you buy a movie on a streaming service and then they no longer host that movie, then you don't have that movie anymore. Unless it's on like a shared service, like Movies Anywhere or something. Yeah. Um, but that's a shitty way of doing business. Mm, yes. And, you know, people that are just like, oh, I don't want to do physical media anymore. Physical media is a waste of space. It's like, well, <laughs> just like the people who like to drive, you know, big trucks and destroy the ozone layer. And now they're like, well, why is it raining all the time? Why is it so cold? <laughs> well, you had to drive your truck. Now it's like you gave up your physical media. And now you don't get to keep it anymore. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Until Dawn is a great game. Um, very fun. And like I said, it has a lot of replayability. I think, I think it ultimately has the same ending, but you know, the way you get there, there are different paths. So that's why it has a lot of free replay value. So it'd be interesting to see it, how, how it actually adapts to film. Um, but it's, but the whole Sandberg of it all, right. (laughs) That's disappointing. Um, and we don't know what studio this is under, but we probably have to guess that it's like... I mean, I would think Sony. Why is that? Because it's a PlayStation game? Is it a PlayStation exclusive? I believe so. Hmm. Well, maybe. I was going to say either... I, I would have guessed like maybe like Warner Brothers or Universal. But I guess it could be Sony. In which case, I mean, if that is the case, I'm less worried about it because Sony tends to churn out less crap. Oh, it's Screen Gems. It said that in the story. Oh, right. Okay, so it is Sony. Right? Screen Gems. Screen Gems and PlayStation Productions. All three units. All three. Oh, and PlayStation. All three units fall under the Sony corporate umbrella. Okay. Yes, I say, I thought Screen Gems was like a subsidiary of like Columbia, which is, of course, a subsidiary of... Uh, Sony. Anyway, until dawn. So wait, was this in the story that uh, Gary Doberman is doing rewrites? Uh, yes. Okay, I, I missed that. There you go. Until dawn. Play it. Have fun. The quarry. <laughs> or yeah, or play the quarry. They're probably very similar. I've got no strength.
All right, so you can uh, go back and listen to our thoughts on Winnie the Pooh, colon, Blood and Honey. And listen next episode. <laughs> not next episode. No? No, it got moved. Son of a It's bitch. not coming out until March now. Son of a bitch bastard. I know. But don't worry, we will be talking about Blood and Honey too, because we are two of the seven people that loved Blood and Honey. <laughs> That's good, because both of the movies we were going to have to watch was, were in theaters, so. Yeah. I hate when that happens. Me too. Uh, we've also talked about the expanded universe of public domain horror. It's not really an expanded universe because I don't think they tie together. Although, yet well, they might. <laughs> um, but Especially because the Winnie the Pooh guy is doing well, all of these. All of yeah, what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think up next is Bambi the Reckoning. Yeah. And then after that is Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare. And I think both of those are supposed to come out this year. In addition to Blood and Honey 2. Uh, and are they doing a Steamboat Willie one? I don't think so. Weird. I mean, they're very, obviously very busy. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, but they just announced a new movie uh, within this universe called Pinocchio colon Unstrung. <laughs> Apparently, this is going to be introduced during the opening credits of Blood and Honey 2. Uh, they re- released a photo or a drawing of Pinocchio from it, and he looks fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, the producers tell Bloody Disgusting, unannounced characters from the universe will be revealed in sketch drawings in the, oh, sorry, the closing credits of Pooh 2. So keep an eye out. <laughs> Pooh Poo 2. two. <laughs> number 2. It'd be fun- I was going to say it'd be funny if they called it Pooh number 2. <laughs> um, hang on, I'm... Un, un, what was it called? Uh, Pinocchio Unstrung. I was trying. I was typing Untangled. I knew that wasn't right. Um, there we go. I was trying to find the picture to show you. Look at this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's got like a big, giant, toothy, Art the Clown-style grin, and his nose is like unfinished. It basically just looks like a tree branch coming out of his face. He's got ears like a goblin. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Uh, the director and cast will be announced shortly. So don't really know anything beyond that. But Unstrung will go into production this summer with a theatrical release planned at this time for late 2024. <laughs> They're going to pump three of these things out? You know, it makes you question the quality. But, you know, even though... Uh, Blood and Honey was made on a shoestring budget, and you know the effects weren't the best. It was still a pretty good movie. I thought it was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm looking at uh, Reese Frake Waterfield's IMDb, and upcoming it has Pooh Two, Neverland Nightmare, and Bambi the Reckoning. So it doesn't even have this on there. But no mention of any. I I thought maybe they were because I remember him talking about all the. Um, Steamboat Willie movies and basically being like people need to be careful (laughs) it's not just open season on Mickey Mouse right but and so I guess maybe I thought that he was making one but I guess not well I don't I'm kind of in on this like oh yeah I mean until they give me a reason to not be then yeah yeah like we've seen stills from Pooh 2 we know that it's got Tigger and Owl in it I think Rabbit might be in it too uh, b- possibly yeah. and Pooh looks better they up to the budget yeah 
Um, I'm most excited for Neverland Nightmare because apparently Tinkerbell injects pixie dust like heroin. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I also read something. Maybe she injects heroin and thinks it's pixie dust. <laughs> Either way, Twink is a junkie. <laughs> <laughs> and Bambi the Reckoning just sounds fun. Uh, we, you know, we did a story on it, but we basically talked about how it kind of sounded like Cujo with a deer. All right. Crazy wild stuff. <laughs> Weird wild stuff. So yeah, uh, you know, if, if you're going to see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, like we are, then make sure you stick around for those closing credits so you can get a sneak peek at Pinocchio Unstrung. I'm glad I showed you this trailer so yeah. you have a reference point. So Nick Frost, uh, you know, we know him from the the, the Cornetto trilogy. Um, I, mean, that, I mean, that's probably where most people would know him from. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's been in a, in a handful of other things. What was his Amazon show? Was it um, Ghost something? Ghosted? No, that was the one with Adam Scott. Ah, right. I don't remember then. Anyway, um, he's truth seekers. Ah, yes. So he's going to be in a, well, he is in a brand new movie that has just been picked up by WT Films uh, for international rights. It's called Crazy House. Um, with a K. With a K. With a K. With a K. Cray. Cray Cray. You know. <laughs> that felt dirty. <laughs> um, it's like when you like bite into a piece of fruit that's too soft. <laughs> um, so yeah, the film from writer and director, writers and directors Stefan Harz and Flip Vanderkew. Uh, the story goes like this: <laughs> the Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> Uh, when Russian workers in Bernie's house turn out to be wanted criminals, Bernie has to man up and save his 90s sitcom family. Now, that end is really where, they, like, they buried the lead there, yeah. I feel like. Now, if you watch the trailer, you will see something that presents itself very much as a 90s sitcom. The The trailer gives off big time, like, too many cooks vibes. Yes. Uh, I mean, you're like, you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen, something weird. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's it's fronted by uh, Nick Frost playing Bernie, who is the um, he, he plays just a, a, a weird, an oaf, an oaf. Yeah, like he, he, I mean, he's 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 the Steve Urkel. He's the you know the Balky. He's he's that guy. You know. Yeah, but he's also the patriarch, right? And he wears a helmet. <laughs> I'm not. He also has brushes for shoes at one point. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's a safety thing with the shoes. Yeah. Like a, a joke within the episode or something. Maybe. Anyway, his wife is played by Christina Applegate. Is she in it? 
Yeah. I can't, I don't remember that. And it's funny because the house looks a lot like the Bundy house, <laughs> at least the living room set. See her at, uh, was it the Emmys? No. She, um, cause she wasn't getting an award. She was presenting an award. That's what I was. She got like this big standing ovation. It was nice. Oh, sorry. Alicia Silverstone. Is it in this? Not, okay. Not Christina Applegate. Yes, I do remember her. I was not connecting with Christina Applegate. Um, yes. Uh, see, the 90s sitcom setup quickly derails when a trio of Russian criminals arrive. Shocking violence and chaos ensues. Nick Frost, of course, plays the bumbling Bernie Christian alongside Alicia Silverstone. Um, as A perpetrator. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Nobody knows that movie. No. Just, just put Clueless. Clueless or The Crush. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, as his beleaguered wife, uh, Ava, Eva, class. One of those. Huh? One of those. Yeah, likely. Uh, the cast also includes uh, Jan Bijovet. B- 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 Bijovet. <laughs> yep. Gate Jansen. Wow, a lot of Dutch. Um, Walt Klink. And Kevin Connolly. E. <laughs> is, uh, he, is he playing their son? No, he plays Jesus. <laughs> what show was that where he played the son? Uh, Unhappily Ever After. Yes. With Nikki Cox. Right. And Bobcat Goldthwait is the voice of a stuffed rabbit. <laughs> like a blatant knockoff of Mary Will Children. Oh, 100%. But that's one of those shows, though, that like... Whenever I find someone who knows it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know that. I know what you're talking about. Who can you depend on if not your buddy? Oh, of course. <laughs> um, the movie debuted in Sundance's The Midnight Section and then made its European premiere in Rotterdam's Limelight Section this weekend. So last weekend. Yes. Probably two weekends ago for you. Probably. Uh, with international rights secured for Crazy House, expect a release date to follow soon. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Nick I mean, Frost and a ridiculous premise. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I mean, Nick Frost alone is usually a sell for me. Yeah. Uh, Although I could not get into Truth Seekers. I felt like it needed more time to really get going. Could be. Yeah, I only watched like maybe three episodes. Yeah, and then you got shit canned, so it's... Yeah. You know. So, a lot of people felt your felt the same way. I, I guess, guess so, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. There you go. There you go. Alicia Silverstone, She uh, she's very active on social media. Is she? Yeah. And uh, she, at one point, she did this video. I don't know if it was like an Instagram video or TikTok or something. But she reenacted a scene from Clueless uh, with her son, and it was weird. <laughs> like, it was the part, I, I don't know, can you remember Clueless all that well? No. No. Well, this, I think this is a scene that kind of stands out. It's like towards the beginning of the movie where a guy kind of like runs up on her, puts his arm around her, and she yeah, yeah. pushes him away as if that part. Yeah, that's what she reenacted with her son. And it was just like, mm, yeah, that's weird. It's like, I could see what you're doing. And I appreciate it, but it's 
odd. Yeah, it's not your stepson. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, why is there so much step family porn? It's really weird. <laughs> like, it doesn't need to be that much. Like, just hidden desires. <laughs> also, Zach Braff, like, really wants to get Alicia Silverstone on their podcast because he's, like, infatuated with her. Oh, really? Yeah. And so he's, like, always telling Donald to get her on because of Clueless. Oh, okay. I was like, what's the connection here? <laughs> yeah, remember Donald Faison and his, and his braces <laughs> <Right>. from Clueless? <laughs> Those are fake, right? I have no idea. I remember he talked pretty extensively about it on, on the podcast. I'm just trying to remember. I feel like he's, I feel like, yeah, he said they were fake. Because he, he was like, what, like 28 at the time or something like that? He already had like, what, one, two kids at th- already? Oh, probably. I remember uh, Zach was telling the story about them going to a club and he was trying to like wingman for Donald. And the woman was like, don't you have like eight kids? <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, Crazy House. Coming at you. The podcast. <laughs> I brought it around. Full circle. All right, so after what feels like 28 years, they're finally making 28 years later. Of course, the fourth in the franchise. This will be the sequel to 28 Weeks Later, which was the sequel to 28 Days Later, which was, of course, the sequel to 28 Days starring Sandra Bullock, which really didn't fit in with the rest of the <laughs> franchise. But I'm like, wait, fourth? <laughs> uh, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland are reteaming for the long-awaited sequel. They're just skipping months, apparently. Because for the longest time, it was going to be 28 months later. Well, yeah, but that was when it was like 10 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, this was acquired by Sony, who won a bidding war, obviously. Uh, Killian Murphy is on board as executive producer. But The Hollywood Reporter notes that he could also possibly act in the project, although details are being quarantined. Uh, 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 good one, THR. <laughs> you clever bastards. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. R.I.P. Carl Weathers, by the way. Oh, yeah, man. He's making stew in heaven. <laughs> Seen a lot of uh, the, the shot from Happy Gilmore where he's up in the yeah. <laughs> with the alligator and Abe Lincoln. <laughs> um, I mean, Killian Murphy's got to be it, right? He's the connecting thread. He's the guy. He's the guy. Um, I mean, I'd say yes if they again were making this 10, 15 years ago. Sure. But at this point, I mean, he's 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 moved on. I don't know that he'd go back to the well. No, yeah. I mean, you know, producer, he's like, yeah, well, pay me. Yeah, I'll put my name on it. Sure. <laughs> uh, the plan is for Garland to write twenty eight days, twenty eight years later, and Boyle to direct. I mean, yeah, that's has it that's been, what they do. It hasn't been twenty eight years though. They're just jumping timelines here. No, it definitely has not. I definitely was not 12 when the last one came out. 
Well, 12, because then that would make you 40. So, yeah, so, so it definitely hasn't been that long. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, Garland writes and Boyle directs. That's what they do. I don't know why we're acting like that's a new thing. Like, that's not news. Yeah, that's, their, that's their gimmick. Yeah. It's like being like, oh, Tony and Taylor will podcast and Tony will edit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with Garland also planning on writing at least one more sequel, possibly two. What would that be? 28 decades and then 28 centuries. <laughs> Just future zombies. <laughs> Sorry, not zombies, rage virus. Yeah. It's whatever. It's all the same now. Yeah. I wonder if, because I know Danny Boyle for the longest time was like, they're not zombies. I wonder if he's just like, whatever, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, once once they made Zombie World. I'm busy here. Busy. Busy. <laughs> You're a true artist, Gus. <laughs> I was reading something about, uh, I guess, I, I don't remember what it was, but it was something about Goodwill Hunting. It's a director, Gus Van Sant, and that's exact, that's immediately what popped into my head. I don't like the sound of them apples, Will. <laughs> what are we going to do? Applesauce, bitch. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Ben Affleck. <laughs> I love Goodwill Hunting, too. It's so much better than the first one. <laughs> hunting season. <laughs> no, I wasn't with a prostitute today. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ben. No, no, fuck that. <laughs> All right. Enough dragging Ben Affleck. Um, but fuck him. But fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Who said but fuck? Yeah, it would, like, it would ha- if they're still going with the 28 thing, then it would have to be centuries and de- decades and centuries. Yeah, and if they don't, then and it's you, 29 years later. Yeah, you're losing the gimmick. Yeah. This is why you don't skip months. Yeah. Especially if Murphy's not going to be in it. Yeah, what, what difference does it make? Yeah. Make it, you know, 2007, whenever that movie came out. Sure, yeah. Uh, let's see. THR also notes the deal details are unavailable, but each movie would have a budget in the $60 million range but it's unclear how goalposts or compensation may have changed during the high-stakes negotiations. A theatrical release was of great import to the filmmakers. Could that be great importance? Maybe because they're, they're British. Mm, in it? <laughs> Ball water. Did you say bottle of water? <laughs> yeah, that's how they say it. Baba wawa? <laughs> Yep, so there you go. There you go. No word is on whether or not Sandra Bullock will reprise her role. <laughs> She's in the bird box now. That's what she does. That's what she does. <laughs> That's her lot in life. She went from 28 days later, no, 28 days to the bird box. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's horror business, guys. Hey, hey, we did it. Hey, um, so let's go ahead and talk about some movies.
All right, so this is one of those special episodes where the movies that we picked have nothing to do with each other. Not even a little. No. Like, sometimes we can find, like, a, you know, super thin thread. But this one, like, tonally, they're completely different. Story-wise, they're completely different. Yeah. Uh, anyway, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with The Portrait. It's been a year. The doctor's given up on him. It only takes one memory, one memory to get him started. Are you be okay? Just you and him? Are you be okay? Just you and him? Alex. 
Okay, so yeah, this movie, um, it kind of unfolds backwards. <laughs> like, so we, we open up and, you know, we've got this long aerial shot of what I'm, what looked a lot like the PCH. Um, and just, you know, car traveling up. And um, that's the Pacific Coast Highway for our friends overseas. Right. It's, yeah, it's the main highway that goes from like the bottom of California all the way up. I think up, well, it comes all the way up here. In, Anytime, in, in any one... any movie where you see someone driving along a coastline, it's the PCH. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, so that it's in this we have um, Sophia played by Natalie Cordova Buckley, and Alex, her husband, played by Quentin. Um, they pull into this sprawling property. It's just this beautiful manor yeah it's 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 basically it looks like a spanish villa um i mean i don't know where this is supposed to be i, I presume somewhere in the i would guess probably some of their central coast maybe up around santa barbara but apparently it was filmed in santa clarita so not necessarily close to each other but anyway um they've come back to this house because it is Alex's childhood home or, you know, his, his, his family's property for however many generations. Um, and uh, the reason that they're there is because Alex has suffered some brain trauma and he's been basically nonverbal, non, you know, more or less non-responsive and just doesn't seem to know where he is or who he is. Doesn't seem to have any reaction to Sophia. Just nothing. So seems to have some kind of issue with his right arm. Yeah, um, and you know, just from what she, what Sophia tells other people, it seems it's been you know well over a year, and he has made basically no progress. Um, and uh, so this is kind of a last ditch effort to bring him to his childhood home to try and spark something. Um, the, yeah, so when they arrive, they're greeted by land, landscaper Zach Morris, who just like, it's so funny that it, you know, he's, he's got very dark hair. Yeah. And so it's like, he just, he'd been dying, like bleaching his hair since he was a child, unless he had blonde hair when he was a child, which is not uncommon. But his hair was really blonde. Especially for being that age though. Usually by the time you're in your teens, it'll... Yeah, he, like he was he was very blonde as a child and now his hair is very dark. Yeah. It's got a like, dark beard too. Yeah. A great big bushy beard. Actually, it's not very not bushy. bushy. It's it's just there. It's just a regular beard. <laughs> um but no, he plays uh, Brooks who like I said he's the he's the, kind of the groundskeeper. Um I gathered that he probably lives on on the property. That was the impression I got. Um he was really good on he's on an, uh he's on two episodes of Happy Endings. Oh yeah, he moves into Adam Polly's apartment, and he's just like super cool. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's just like he, you know, replaces all the furniture and everything. They're just like, oh my god, this guy's so cool. And then they find out that it's actually like his secret love pad to get away from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they accidentally tell his wife, uh. and so then he makes it his life mission to destroy Adam Polly's life. But Adam Polly's life is already so bad. There's nothing he can do. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, they, they, you know, he, he greets them when they pull up and, you know, he's helping with the bags and, you know, we just kind of get the impression that, uh, Alex and Sophia, you know, this is obviously put quite the strain on their relationship in, you know, in that being it's essentially a one-sided relationship now. Um, more or less as caretaker. Yeah. We do learn that, um, they are both scientists of one sort or another. Yeah. I don't really know exactly what they science, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just used science as a verb. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, uh, yeah, it seemed like they might've been both like, um, probably not psychiatrists, but you know, something dealing with the brain. Neurologists or something. Yeah. Um, and, uh, because I don't, it's not really a spoiler to say what happened. To I don't her, think right? so. Okay, so we find out that um, she had a teaching job, and like apparently things have just really been taking off for him. He he talked about some kind of tech. Yeah, they, it doesn't. It's they very non-specific, but yeah. he's had some kind of success uh, in in you know developing one thing or another. Uh, he's getting like front page, um, you know, like cover on some kind of journal or magazine, magazine or something. Yeah. And, and I, I, I kind of got the impression that they came up with it together, but he was getting all the credit. Right. And, um, seems like the night that they were, you know, the, the, the night they were having the celebration, the party, um, she's like, well, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta go. Cause I have a class to teach and he's, you know, out of their, at her car trying to stop her and they like kind of start getting into it. It's like, you know, you think that she's he's a little drunk. Yeah. And uh, she, you know, she, we get this impression from the beginning of the movie that she's like this very loving, doting wife and they maybe had like a very, very tight relationship. But this scene kind of makes it seem the, the otherwise that maybe their relationship was starting to degrade. Yeah. Well, I think his ego was really kind of getting out of control. Yeah. And so like, she's like, you know, she's like, I have to go. And she starts, you know, walking to the you know, driver's side of, the, of her car and he grabs her by the arm. So it's like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like anybody who, any guy who has ever made the mistake of grabbing a woman like that, like it makes you cringe when you see it happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so it's like, yeah, she, he kind of grabs her by the arm to stop her and she pulls loose and he falls back just as a big truck was coming by. Was it a truck or a bus? It goes by so fast, it's really hard to tell. I guess it doesn't really matter. A, a vehicle but... of one sort or another. Yeah. Um, and cracks his head. And the way that it hit him, he's lucky he still had his head. Yes. Yeah. In fact, the injury that he received seemed much smaller than re- I would have expected. Relatively minor. I would have expected his head to be caved in. Yes. At the least. Or open. Right. <clears throat> but he, but he so, eats some blood on his forehead. That's like, yeah. And he's just like, Whoa. I mean, it is, it's like, there's a lot of blood and it's like yeah. coming down, you know, in the front. Um, but anyway, so obviously he's suffered, he did survive, but he suffered some brain damage. And again, so it's been over a year. We don't know exactly how long, but he has not shown any progress. And so that's, that's where we are now. <clears throat> um, and so, through the course of, of the rest of the movie, you know, we see Sophia trying to stimulate his, you know, stimulate him in one way or another, you know, showing him like, it's like, you know, going out on this 
you know, beautiful terrace. You know, it's like, do you remember this? Does this do anything? Yeah, trying to trigger memories. Um, and, uh, you know, bringing out like old toys for him, showing him old family photos. Um, and just like not, it doesn't really seem to be doing anything. So she's getting frustrated and, uh, you know, just, I guess this is around the time that um, his cousin, uh, Mags, played by Virginia Madsen, um, just randomly shows up. Um, she's odd. Like she, something's off about her. Like she's not like weird or she's, she seems like she's hiding a secret. Yeah. She's, she's ominous. Yes. Um, and, uh, we don't really know exactly why. And it's, she seems like she's, she's, she acts as if their family has some kind of like secret secrets. (laughs) She also acts like. She's closer to Alex than, um, what's the wife's name? Sophia. Sophia. But she also says that they haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. Um, but she actually, I don't know if she just came to, to visit or if she's just is currently residing there, but there's like basically a, a guest house like off to the side of the property that she seems to be staying in. Um, and you know, in, in kind of the time when, when, uh, Alex is convalescing or just staring off into space, Sophia kind of wanders around the house. She makes her way up to the attic and she, uh, uncovers this huge portrait, like painting portrait. I'm specifically, it's a painting. It's not like a photograph. Oh, yeah. But the movie's called The Portrait. Yes. It's the titular it's, it's portrait. It's the titular portrait. <laughs> um, and, oh, you know what? I totally skipped over the the beginning, the very beginning. In 1937. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let me put a pin in that real quick. I'll go back. 1930, it's just kind of a cold open. 1937. We see this man dragging this woman by her hair, I think, um, just out into kind of a, a wooded area. Um, you know, being, um, if dragging her wasn't enough, you know, she's screaming her head off and um, she's, he stops and, you know, puts a shoe up on her, like on her face. And that's the end of that scene. So it kind of sets up. It's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Okay. Now going back. Um, Sophia uncovers this portrait who like, and there was a name like on the cover and it was, um, Caleb, Calvin, Calvin says Calvin Dubose, which is Alex's last name, uh, 1937. She pulls the cover off and what do you know? It's a painting of Alex or so we think. Apparently this is. Alex's great cousin. I guess they don't really say exactly what his specific relationship is. Yeah, I guess they don't. He's just a member of the family. Um, but naturally, this guy was a the black sheep of the family, and as a result, the family doesn't really like to speak of him. And you know, depending on, according to Vin, uh, sorry bags, depending on who you ask in the family, he doesn't exist 
just because he's like they don't want to acknowledge that he existed because apparently he um was very controlling, very abusive, um very full of himself and he inst- instructed his his housekeeper to move in with him. But apparently she was already sleeping with a guy from town. So in his rage, he dragged her by her hair. I think she said something like four miles. I missed it, she said. To this guy's house, beat the hell out of him, raped her in front of him, and then beat them both to death. Which is, set that aside, that's quite the feat for one guy. <laughs> um, and so naturally, like I mentioned, he's kind of a black sheep. Um, so yeah, we, this, the movie goes on and again, Ryan or Alex is making very little progress and he doesn't seem to be responding to much. He does he, like, she showed, like I said, she showed him some toys and he did seem to kind of recognize one of them. And she kind of saw that as progress, but it's also to, like every time he remembers something, he gets abusive. Yeah. He starts to get a little, through the course of the movie, he's getting a little more violent as it, as it goes on. And um, like at one point, he just backfists a cop. Right. Who apparently was a, like a childhood friend. Yeah. Or a, acquaintance. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, that that's kind of the, the premise, the, the meat and potatoes of the, of the movie. Without getting into kind of how it ends, yeah, I mean, well, there's this. The whole reason it's called the portrait is because there's, you're kind of led to believe that maybe this portrait is controlling Alex in a way. Yeah, yeah, and Sophia, like she's, she's convinced that it's of Alex. Yeah, and even like she tells her friend, and her friend was like, "Well, like it's his family house, right? Like it's probably a family member that." It's the family resemblance. Yeah. Yeah. Her friend says, you know, family resemblance. And she shows the picture to uh, Mags and she says, you know, he look this, this is Alex. He looks exactly like Alex. And she's like, you think you so? Think? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, anyone could just paint 1937 on, on, on there. I could paint a picture of you and just put like 1902. It's, yeah. That's, that's not magic. No. People would be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tony's immortal. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And so, Sophia, I mean, aside from being frustrated, she's. I think she's getting... Frustrated. She, I think she's getting a bit of cabin fever. She's little, definitely losing her mind. Yeah, getting a little paranoid. And, you know, she's... And so, we, as the audience, are starting to question, okay, is this ghost of this Caleb is he possessing this painting um Calvin what did I say Caleb oh yes Cal- Calvin uh you know it is is his spirit possessing this painting is she, is she just imagining these things is it supernatural or psychosis right and that's kind of where we're at for pretty much the entire movie even up until the end honestly yeah I still don't know exactly I don't either. Um, yeah. So this might be a non-spoiler, but did you think Zach Morris was up to something? Like how? 
like I, I just I thought he was going to be behind everything. Oh, uh, I mean, it seemed like he was maybe he's, trying to make moves on her. But yeah, that he's kind of creepy. Kinda exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, yeah, so he keeps like butting into stuff. Like when Mags first shows up, then like as she's leaving, he's out there, you know, trimming the hedges or whatever, and he's like, "So what do you think?" It's like. Mind your fucking business. Yeah. <laughs> Lawnmower man. <laughs> but uh I mean yeah, he's uh, he's really just trying to be nice. Yeah, but he just has this air about him. Yeah. Um like even when they first got there, she calls him Mr. Brooks and he's like, No, just Brooks. Right. So, okay, guy. Well, maybe his calm first, down. Maybe his first name is Brooks. Maybe, but it was just weird. That, that that's the other thing is like it's one of those things where, like, why did they write that in? It, it never pays off. I don't know. Anyway. It's like Chekhov's Brooks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. What do you think? It's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer made it look a lot more interesting. Yeah, it's very slow. And it just kind of... Trudges along. And it doesn't really pay off. It doesn't really pay off. Um, Like, there's no big reveal. There's no real payoff. I mean, the only real redeeming thing about it is that it's not all that long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's just... If this was like a two-hour movie, I'd be very upset. And there's never any, like, big escalation. You know, like yeah. the... She's she has this dream of having sex with Alex or Calvin or whoever it is, and then like finds another painting of Calvin having sex with a woman who you know you can't see the can't see her face, but and so it's like oh my god, yeah. But what like there's <laughs> that's it. There's nothing to that. Yeah, and like, that doesn't go anywhere. It's like is that her? <laughs> yeah, like if it started escalating to like where maybe she was in the paintings or if she you know had more dreams of something more specific than just a dream of having sex with her husband. Right. Yeah. And also aside from the flashback to before Alex's injury, Quentin has like no lines. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'd be up until the end. He pretty much doesn't even make a sound. Mm hmm. Um, but when he does talk, he's got this weird accent. I couldn't place where he was supposed to be from. <laughs> I mean, he's Australian, so... Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's just his American accent, which, I mean, like, you know, to hear him in, like, um, um, Kings of Bad Aston or, or, or that episode of New Girl, you'd never be able to tell. So it just seems like his accent in, kind of In fluctuates. True Blood, he had a little bit of a Bayou accent. Well, that's easy to cover up, I think. No, um, sure, yeah. You know, actually, I was just... I was watching a, a video of Margot Robbie recently, and you know she's Australian, and she says just like a standard American accent is really hard. Really? Yeah. And she says if she does, you know, she's she's talking about doing like a Wolf of Wall Street or you know Harley Quinn, where she kind of does that like that New York accent. Mm -hmm. um, she said that's a lot easier because you know compared with like a an Australian or British accent, and compare it to to a, like a New York accent, they do they drop ours 
And it's just, it's much more similar. It's easier for her to, to make her mouth do those noises hmm. and to do just like how you and I talk. It's a lot more difficult. Yeah. She was talking, she was talking about Barbie specifically. Sure. Which I always, if I didn't know she was Australian, I never would have guessed. I don't think I would Her accents are very good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I imagine he has the same struggle. Yeah. But <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, I mean, I kept waiting for this movie to have some some big moment where it's like, oh, all is revealed, you know, suddenly we know what's going on. Or there would be like a big supernatural moment where like the painting would, you know, he would walk out of the painting or something like. Yeah. I mean, there's one part where it seems like where it almost looks like Calvin is jumping out at her. Yeah. Um, but she's also been drinking. So it's like. And again, there's a lot of, I think, psychosis going on. She's just getting stir crazy and, you know, cabin fever and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, pairing that with drinking and, you know, being frustrated and probably not sleeping. Um, and like that scene too is just a jump scare. Like it yeah. doesn't like, as far as we can tell, it doesn't actually happen. Right. Although... I will say, I guess at the end, we do kind of get confirmation that there is something supernatural going on. Do we? Yeah, at the auction. Oh, that, yeah. That's true. I forgot about the So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, guess scene. I guess there is a payoff, but it's after kind of the main story. But also, that just kind of left me with more questions. Right. Um, so... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really have a lot to say about it. I mean, it's it's not like it was not um, a, a cohesive. It all flowed pretty well. Yeah. It just didn't seem like it went anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was competently made. It was perfectly adequate by all technical measures. Yeah. But it just, it just kind of dragged along. Like I said, just kind of trudged until then. Like, this just went on and on for 90 or so minutes, and then it just kind of ends. Yeah. I think this could have been retooled into a pretty effective, like, drama. Um, you know, like, maybe like a, a, a um, like what's, 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 is there a term for, like, a, a romantic drama? Uh, is it just romantic drama? I guess so. <laughs> or, I mean, like, I'm trying to think if there's, like, a better word, way to put it, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to think like something like Fatal Instinct or like you know, something along those lines. I I think that could have been retooled as something like that. Fatal Instinct? Are you combining Fatal Attraction? Oh, and sorry, basic yes. Instinct. I am. <laughs> fatal Attraction is what I meant. Um. To, yeah, to to kind of I feel like you could have retooled it to something like that. Um, and it probably would have been better. Possibly. To, to make it into like this kind of like psychological thriller horror thing, just it didn't work. Yeah. I agree. It looked like it had like really good Rotten Tomato scores, but the uh, the audience one was not so not so kind. Yeah, that's usually the case. Rotten Tomatoes, 75% uh, critics, 43% audience. 4.4 on IMDb. Yeah, I see that. Um, which I think is probably uh, probably right around where I'd be at. 
I'm thinking the same. I'm, I'm thinking four. Yeah. I think three is too mean. <laughs> yeah. Th- three three seems rough. Yeah. All right. Well, got that out of the way, I guess. There it is. I mean, if you uh, want to rent it, it's you got to rent it. You got to pay for it. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's as far as rentals go, it's pretty cheap. It's four ninety nine. What is this? Twelve ninety nine. That's not what I paid to buy it. I think. Uh, why does Google give me the buy price? Mm-hmm. I don't want to buy this. It is. It's four ninety nine to rent pretty much everywhere. So. Oh, I think it was six ninety nine on Google. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Whatever. I got. I had, had gift cards up the wazoo from Christmas. <laughs> Okay, so uh, going from a slow-moving, dark, uh, gothic, romantic drama to just an off-the-wall, bonkers horror comedy with Destroy All Neighbors. Hey, how's that van going? Uh, It's mainly me these days. Ah! I just want to finish my album. You have been trying to finish this album for three years. One, two, three! What is this? It's a progressive form of prog. I've been calling it uh, uh, prog squared. The only way I listen to your music is if you tied me up at gunpoint and you forced me to. And don't play it here again or you're fired. What's going on? I think we have a new neighbor. up with this guy i think we're living next to some kind of maniac i am now living your head flaps just driving me crazy you're heading into chaos what blood will be spilt you gotta stand on your own two feet and say get out of my kitchen because i'm cooking (laughs) william use your demons don't let them use you So you've killed somebody. Relax. Just need to know how to get rid of a body. Hello, Willie. I'm not a mass murderer. I'm a mass manslaughterer. It's time to make a hit record. (laughs) I'm alive. (laughs) Shut up. You didn't hear that, did you? You yelling shut up at nobody? Yeah, I heard it was very loud. That is not what rock and roll is all about. Let's rock! You're a loser and you're gonna die a loser. Now that was rock and roll. Stop. Just be cool. And don't murder anyone else. Okay, so Destroy All Neighbors, uh, written by Mike Benner, Jared Logan, and Charles A. Piper, directed by Josh Forbes. Not really familiar with any of those people. Me neither. Josh Forbes kind of sounds familiar, but, um... Oh, Contracted Phase 2. Oh. Never watched that one after the whole first Contracted thing. With that director. I did. You watched the second one? Yeah. Didn't didn't you tell me Charlie Koontz was the only carryover? Matt Mercer. Oh, Matt Mercer. He is, he is like, the main character. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, stars Jonah Ray as William Brown, who is a aspiring musician. It's like, sometimes he goes by Jonah Ray. Sometimes it's Jonah, Jonah Ray Rodriguez. Rodriguez. 
Yeah. Well, I didn't see, I didn't watch the credits. So I don't know what he actually had in the credits, but his IMDb says Jonah Ray. I think like at least in the opening credits, it said Jonah Ray Rodriguez. Did it? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Jonah Ray, parentheses, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Uh, like I said, he plays William Brown. He's an aspiring Is, musician. Does he live here? I don't know if he lives here. Because he's been to Crypticon multiple times. Multiple times. Even when he wasn't a, like a, a celebrity guest. Yeah. He just pops up on like panels. Yeah. I was like, did you just make the trip up from somewhere or do you live nearby? Yeah, I, I don't know. I know that he has some connection here. I don't know if he's from here originally or if he lives here now. I really don't know. But I saw I, he was born in Hawaii. So <laughs> would not have guessed that. Me neither. Anyway. So, yeah, he plays an aspiring musician for the third goddamn time. Uh, <laughs> aspiring prog musician. Because you know how popular prog is. It, they, like, they never say prog rock, which I feel is more common. Like, I feel like more people call it prog rock than just prog. Is there a difference between prog and prog rock? I think people who listen to rock music just kind of call it prog. Yeah, okay. Um <laughs> At one point, my girlfriend was like, what is this music? And I was like, this is Prague. And she's like, this is what it sounds like? I'm like, yeah. Like, you never heard Rush? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And, and he was, I was like, you know, like Rush? And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> so he lives in this just shithole little apartment with his girlfriend, Emily. And uh, they seem like they their relationship's a little strained. Like at first they seem like they're a very kind of happy couple, but real quick you realize that it's not all sunshine and rainbows there. Yeah. Uh, he works at a, a recording studio called Industrial Sound and Magic, <laughs> <laughs> where his boss is Tom Lennon, who is just one of my favorite actors in the world. Oh, he's I great. Fucking love Tom Lennon he's, so he's much. Always good. He is America's sweetheart. <laughs> We haven't done one of those in a while. <laughs> um, and they were recording this guy named Caleb Bang Jansen. <laughs> you have to say the full thing, apparently. Caleb Bang Jansen. <laughs> Who I could not figure out what his music was. Just some fucking bitch acoustic it was, it was, shit. But he was like wailing away on this acoustic guitar. <laughs> And so his neighbor, uh, this guy named Alec, moves out because he just sold his uh, erotic sci-fi screenplay. <laughs> and so he gets a new neighbor whose name is Vlad, played by Alex Winter, a.k.a. Bill S. Preston Esquire. Although you'd never know it. Yeah. He is just covered in makeup. And he looks like this short little... I don't know what nationality he's supposed to be. Slavic of one sort or another. Yeah. He's got a big handlebar mustache and he's got like a Caesar, you know, bald on top, skullet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, big fat arms and fat chubby little fingers. <laughs> and he does this accent that I couldn't understand half the time. Yeah. And like, especially when the music was blaring. Yeah, and like knowing it's him. I don't. Even, I didn't even hear his voice. Yeah, like I don't know if they did something to it or if it's just like he changed it somehow. But it just did not even sound like him. Yeah. 
And so he moves in and he's just loud as fuck. He's always over there watching TV really loud or listening to music really loud or just making loud dad noises by himself. Screaming at one point. (laughs) And Jonah Ray is just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something. And his girlfriend's like, all right, we'll just go over there and talk to him. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, (laughs) I don't want a confrontation. Typical millennial. Actually, he might be Gen X. I'm not sure. So he he goes to his landlady, who's this little old lady who always wants him to fix everything. Uh, that's Mrs. LaRusso. <laughs> Mrs. LaRusso. Daniel Sun's mom? Oh. <laughs> yeah, and she, she wants him to fix everything. She's always like, can you come help me with something in the basement? And he's like, I don't think any of this is safe or legal. <laughs> it's like, you have to hire an actual electrician. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, he... At one point, he pounds on the on the wall with just, just once with like the side of his fist, and everything goes silent. <laughs> and Vlad comes over and just hawks a loogie on his peephole, <laughs> and so he calls the cops. And he's just like, you know, the, by the time the cops get there, everything's quiet, and they're like, "Well, you know, there's no noise now." And he goes, well, "What about the loogie he hawked on my door? Isn't that assault?" <laughs> they're like for a loogie, and he goes into his apartment, and Vlad is in there with Emily having a cup of tea. And the, the cops start making friends with Vlad. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, you know, it's, it's one of those Eddie Munster kind of things where he's super nice to everyone, but then reveals his true self to uh, Joan Ray. When Eddie he, he, Munster thing. Yeah. I don't think I get the reference. Or not Eddie Munster. Who was, uh, not Eddie Munster. Fucking from Leave it to Beaver. The beaver? No, the, no, the other one. His friend. It was always like Wally. No, that was his brother. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. I think his name might have been Eddie, but I don't remember. Okay. Eddie Haskell. Okay. Yeah. It's like he, he, you know, gives Emily a hug and he like looks at Jonah and he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes back to just playing his music super loud until finally uh, William goes over there and he just walks right in and Vlad has this like makeshift uh, bench press with like buckets of cement and cinder blocks and chains and yeah. some kind of weird Rube Goldberg machine of like a prison working setup out. or something. And, uh, you know, John Ray confronts him and just says, Hey, your shit is too fucking loud all the time. And so Vlad starts fighting him, but he's like, making him fight him. Yeah. He like grabs his hand and like punches himself in the gut with it. He's like, yeah, that's it. Let's go. And starts slamming himself into the wall. And but then he gets impaled on his workout bar. And he's like grabbing at the chains, trying to get himself off. <laughs> the pole is sticking out of his torso and he's just like, it's just blood. I'll just put it back in. <laughs> but he like grabs the chains of this thing and it's the cinder block comes loose and swings over and just knocks his head right off. Yeah. As, as that happens. Sure. Yeah. That's logical. <laughs> and so Jonah Ray is always watching these videos of John Daly. <laughs> it, it took me a while to figure out who that was. Mm. Like I, I know his face. I know who that is, but why I can't place him. He is also great on happy endings. Oh, yeah. He plays this douchebag guy named Brody or Bodie. It's either Brody or Bodie. Both douchebag names. Yeah. <laughs> and he's always doing these like 
stupid uh, fist bump things. Like someone will go to give him a fist bump. He'll put his hand up and be like, your hand's a turkey, bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. And like, he goes to fist bump him and he's like, squid away, squid away. <laughs> Uh, my 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 buddy used uh, used to be a boxer, and like every time I like boxers are very sensitive about their hands, which sure makes naturally. sense. It's their livelihood, yeah. But it's like even just like you know, hit the rock, you know, he he'd do that. And it's like, dude, you, dude, open open hand, yeah. It's like, dude, you're like giving me blue balls here. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> just knuckle up, bro. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna hit you hard. You pussy. <laughs> yeah, so William is always watching these videos. It's the Hot Licks video, and it's him playing bass and also giving life lessons that somehow tie into playing bass. Right. And he just happens to have this series on what to do if you killed someone. <laughs> because apparently when you're on tour, you kill like eight people. <laughs> you know, like throughout this whole movie, I'm just like, how much of this is real? Yeah. So I guess that's one way it could tie into the portrait. Sure. Well, yeah, we did that on purpose. Right. It's the what is real episode. Yeah. <laughs> so he, under the tutelage of this video, chops up Vlad's body, throws it in the bathtub, and then all of a sudden it just comes back to life. Right. No real explanation why. But he just starts cussing William out. And telling him, you know, that he's a, he's a failure and all this stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, William is just trying to get rid of this body, and is just hilarity ensues. As as you as as you do. The best scene, in my opinion, is when he tries to go to the smelting plant, and he's confronted by security guard Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> Why is he in this? <laughs> he's in it for like five minutes. And you never hear from him again. Yeah. But it's it's the best scene in the whole movie. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> when Vlad's yelling at him from the back, he's like, shut up. You didn't hear that, did you? And he's like, you yelling shut up to no one? Yes, it was very loud. <laughs> <laughs> Just Kumail's got such that dry delivery. Yeah. He's so good. And he's so buff. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> even, I, in, I, even in his face, you can see it. He's got yeah. like that big... Like that hard jawline. Yeah, he's got the big cut-ins on his neck, like a rope. Well, not so much ropes, but like just very well-defined neck. Yeah. Camille <laughs> non-jacked Donnie. <laughs> and, you know, I still think of him as the guy in fucking Silicon Valley. Yeah, exactly. Where he, I mean, he wasn't fat by any means, just definitely not jacked. He wasn't a superhero. Right. Didn't have superhero bod. I was trying to remember more lines from that scene, but that was the only one that really stuck out at me. He's like, he tries to give him uh, $14. He tries to give him $14 and he's like calling the cops. He's like, wait, wait, wait here, I'll give you this. He's like, this is a, you know, a the very first, first pressing of the you know, very first demo from the, the very first album from such and such band is worth like 600 bucks or Four. like 400 bucks. He's like, where did I get 400 bucks? Like, Who do I sell it to? He's like, I put it on eBay. I don't do eBay. <laughs> I don't even know how to do eBay. You just go and you create a seller profile. I'm not going to create a profile. <laughs> He's like, how about you go sell it and you come back and you give me $414. Where the $414 come? The Those singles four- you have, you stripper. <laughs> I 
Oh, so good. <laughs> he's like, you know, it's legal to bribe a federal officer. Like, you're a security guard. I could be a federal officer. <laughs> like, Are you? You're private. No. <laughs> and then he drives through the arm and like backs away and he gets out and grabs the tape and he's like, fucking rent a cop. And he's like, well, you bad driver. <laughs> <laughs> then he's like trying to put the arm back on. Oh, but yeah, along the way, some other people die and they come back and keep, you know, they're talking to him. His neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of them is pig guy. Okay. With his pig. It, in the credits, it says Daryl, but I'm pretty sure it was Darren. Who? The pig. I don't remember. Apparently he was played by kosher. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a funny name for a pig. And, uh, yeah. It's irony is what it is. That's what it is, yeah. It, this movie reminded me a lot of The Voices. Yeah. A little, a little less dark, but yeah. Yeah. And a lot more prog rock. <laughs> a lot more prog. A lot, a lot more blood. Yeah. There's some serious bloody scenes in this. I do like that Alex Winter comes back as his attorney. <laughs> it took me a minute to to realize that was him. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think the, the glasses, and it seemed like his hair was darker. His hair was darker, yeah. Um, it, was just, it was throwing me off. So, I mean, maybe there's some some legitimacy to the whole Clark Kent thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to cut it back to the Zach Morris blonde hair thing. Well, there's that too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it was funny. Yeah. Um, not like, like knee slapping funny, but you know, the, the jokes, jokes were funny. Um, seemed a little, like just a little too goofy at times, Mm -hmm. but you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, yep. Yeah. And then like the end felt kind of, it kind of reminded me of, um, of, uh, Oh my God, what's it called? Deathgasm. Yeah. Yeah, things, the whole movie is just like a pretty even up, uh, you know, even uh, incline of the weirdness of the of the overall movie. Just got a little weirder each scene. Yeah. I definitely did not expect it to end the way it did. Nope. Um, It was quite odd. Yeah. And it's like, wait, is this actually happening? And it didn't really make sense in the context of the movie. Right. Because, I mean, so much of the movie, like, pretty much the entire movie, it's like, is is this all in his head? Is yeah. this actually happening? And then at the end, it's kind of like, wait, is this happening? <laughs> yeah, did any of that happen? <laughs> <laughs> he does lock himself in the industrial sound and music lab, and uh, Joe Napoli has to kind of... <laughs> <laughs> that was another guy i'm like why do i know him me too yeah at first i thought it was uncle navi <laughs> yep jeremy ironside yes now you quit it uncle navi <laughs> i'm telling your mother yeah it's it's funny but it's not knee slapping funny like you said and um 
the story also just kind of I don't want to say it trudges like the portrait, but it does just not really progress until it gets to the end, and then it kind of jumps off the page. off the rails. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, like it's it's definitely watchable. Like the entire. I didn't feel the need to like turn it off or look away or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it was entertaining. The guy, the the homeless guy, Augie. Every time he was on screen, all I could think of was, "I wish that was Biff Whiff." <laughs> <laughs> what? What was the thing he kept saying when he was playing Santa Claus? Was just calling people dicks or something? Uh, something like that. Yeah, God damn it! Like I need to go back and watch it again because it just it, every time I think about that guy, it bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> when like the criminal says something, he's like, "He said that, that dick." <laughs> um. Anyway. Hell yeah, sure, brother. <laughs> Did you watch that? Uh, um. No, I have not watched the Jake Johnson movie. You yet. fucking guy. I know. What else do you have to do? You don't have a life. <laughs> <laughs> I have a life. I play pickleball. You play pickleball. <laughs> Um. Uh, shit, I was going to say something But it's gone now mm. <laughs> You know, you know how that goes Yep um, Yeah, uh, this is a, a Shudder movie So if you have Shudder Which is for the low, low price of $6.99 a month, guys it's Not an ad <laughs> Hundreds of movies, probably And, you know, you get Joe Bob Which is a plus that's worth the price of admission alone. Why does Tom Lennon always play gay? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it goes back as far as the state. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, he plays it so often that I th- thought that he was gay. Me too. But he's not. He's not. <laughs> Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, it's just like I thought he was gay, but he's not. <laughs> uh, okay. Broke my heart, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, anything else? The title I thought was like it just gave off '90s video game vibes. Yes. Yeah, like I saw the title, I'm like, is this? Is this a video game? It's like a video game adaptation. But I'm... I think you're thinking of Zombies Ate My Neighbors. That's... Yep. That's what I'm thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Or Destroy All Humans. Or that, maybe, yeah. Combination of the two, maybe. Mm. But he, like, it's not really... doesn't really fit, in my opinion. The video game thing? No, just the the title, Destroy All Neighbors. Oh. He only really destroys two neighbors. Three. Well, I get no, I guess he doesn't do the third one. Does uh, he? Yeah. Well, kind of tangentially. Yeah, well, he blamed himself. Yeah. <laughs> um those were pretty good effects. Yeah. And uh it um his there was the one of the neighbors who dies is becomes skeletal. 
Yeah. And it reminded me um, of that Grateful Dead video. Um, oh, Christ, what is the movie? What is that song called? Um, I'm not sure I'm familiar. It reminded me of the, the smoking guy in Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, Touch of Grey. That's the one. I know the song. I don't know that I know the video. Oh, really? God, I think it's like the only Grateful Dead video I've seen. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen a Grateful Dead video. It's, I mean, basically the band's playing and they alternate back and forth between being like the live band and then being just a bunch of skeletons playing instruments. Hmm. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, well, Touch of Grey kind of suits you anyway. That's what they say in the song. They do say that. Yep. It's probably where the name came from. Probably. <laughs> um, what do I want to give this? Seven. <laughs> I think you might be right. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to give it a six. All right. So there you go. Suck on that. Society. Gladys. <laughs> Gladys. All right, guys. That is the episode. That's the, sh- that's the show. That's the show. Um, we will probably be back in two weeks. We'll be back eventually. Yeah. I mean, in all likelihood, we will be back in two weeks, but we can't commit to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you can plan for it. Plan for two weeks. But don't cancel any appointments. <laughs> it's a podcast. Don't cancel any appointments. Just do whatever the fuck you want. Uh, in the meantime, where can people find us, Taylor? They can find us at greatplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I guess apparently Apple Podcasts did like some kind of update where you got to go in and turn back on auto downloads or something. I don't know exactly. I just heard another podcast talking about it. I don't use Apple Podcasts. But if you do, then go do that thing. I used to use it, but uh, ever since Spotify started doing podcasts, I use it on there. Yeah, I feel like it's Spotify really took a big chunk out of their user base. Yeah. Uh, also, follow us on social media. We are Grave Plot Podcast at most places. Uh, we are Grave underscore Plot on Twitter, but we don't really post there, so don't really worry about that. And yeah, don't use Twitter. Yeah, just Grave Plot Podcast we're everywhere else. It's so much easier. Yeah. It's, it rolls off the tongue. That's right. I don't have to say underscore. Like some kind of shithead. Yeah. I drew a dick on your head because you're a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb Bang Jansen. Get out of here, dickhead. (laughs) I like how that guy, he's just a musician, but he somehow has like authority. Yeah, because he's like this. He's like a, a star. He's he, he's a he's a low grade mu- like musician, but he has some notoriety. So because he had a song on the soundtrack to the OC, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which was what twenty years ago. But yeah, he's like he tells Joan Ray that he's fired, and Tom Lennon's behind him, just like I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So also patreoncom slash podcast. Yeah, do that. Give us money. We like money. It's true. We do. We love it. I like Marty. I like to... Every once in a while on uh, Armchair Expert, Dax Shepard will slip into Frito. <laughs> and Monica, his co-host, fucking hates it. <laughs> awesome. 
Um, uh, damn it, I was going to say something. In that game. <laughs> Constantly interrupting me. Go away, Baton. <laughs> All right. What what year was, was what year does Idiocracy take place? You remember? Nope. Yeah. Oh. 2030 something. I'm just wondering what Al My Balls is going to start being on TV. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, no, he was, a, wasn't he asleep for like 300 years? God, I don't, I, I, for some reason I want to say 2040, but I don't know if that's anything. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It's not important to this episode. <laughs> no. All right, guys. So uh, catch up with us next time. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.